He went from street cop to homicide detective with years of experience catching killers. He's now star of the Investigation Discovery Channel series, Reasonable Doubt. He's here to talk about investigating violent crime, his story, and more. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Who can first responders turn to when they need help? Shatterproof at FHE. Providing world-class, exclusive treatment services for first responders suffering from exposure to trauma, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and or substance abuse. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420. 833-776-1420. That's 833-776-1420. Online at FHEHealth.com. That's FHEHealth.com. Under programs, you find details about Shatterproof. Calling us from Alabama, we have Chris Anderson on the phone. Chris is a retired detective sergeant from Birmingham, Alabama Police Department. He is also star of the Investigation Discovery Channel series, Reasonable Doubt, one of the stars. We'll talk about that in a moment. He's recently been promoted to Chief of Police at Talladega College. This guy has got it going on, and I'll be honest with you, I'm a little jealous because he's like as cool as the other side of the pillow, and I'll explain it in a moment. Chris, thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate the invite, man. This is going to be great. Well, the reason I, I say that, Chris, is number one, I've had many guests on from the Investigation Discovery Channel. Joe Kend on, and, and my wife always goes, I love the way he talks. I'm like, he talks like every cop I know. And there's no fluff right, and stuff. Right. And when I watched you and I first became aware of Chris, way back in the day from First 48 on A&E Channel, and Chris reminded me, and I'm going to ask you this a question, you always seem like a cool character, unflappable, like nothing ever got to you, and I was the exact opposite. You know, look, I'll be the first person to tell you that Detective Chris Anderson and Officer Chris Anderson, they're two completely different people, man. We, uh, you know, it takes us time. All of us in law enforcement understand it. It takes years to develop the type of police officer that you want to be on the streets. And I realized at an early age in my, uh, at an early time in my career that, you know, me being the, 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 the guy that will go off at the drop of a hat, will yell and scream at people, that's really not the way to be because I spent most of my first couple of years in law enforcement, NIA, speaking to them about, you know, something I said or something that I yeah. did during, while I was a cop. I've, I've so, got you know, grooves I, and seats from spending time in internal affairs for stuff I said or, or supposedly said. Right. Right, right, right. But you know, it just it just took years of development. I figured that you know I could I, I drew more uh, of the type of attitudes and mindsets that that would lend myself to be a help of the people that we serve rather than uh, uh, the person that that 
that ended up in IA for something I did or said. So it just took me years to develop to, to, to this person, and it's worked out well for me. Another thing is, you know, none of us, myself included, no one wanted to be the cop that ruined a case because we flew off the handle. No one wants to be that guy right. ever. I know you didn't. I know I never wanted to. And I was always, I'll be honest with you, especially in the early days, afraid that I would fly off the handle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, and I've seen a lot of those guys, you know, we had a lot of guys that worked in homicide with that that type of mindset. You know, they didn't, they didn't really think about the things that they said, think about the things that they did. And it, it ultimately it re-victimized the victims that we already had. So, you know, look, I just didn't want to be that guy, man. I mean, you know, look, and it took years. It took years to develop it. And every cop needs to know that it takes years for you to develop into the cop that you want to retire as. Yeah. And it took a lot of help from a lot of the old timers. So, uh, when I came on, and it was a long time ago, I was trained by a lot of mm-hmm. combat Vietnam veterans, and we had a few Korean War veterans that were command staff. And they didn't pull any yeah. punches. When you were out of line, when you were wrong, they let you know. Right. And I think, yeah, that's the best way to be. That's how I learned. I learned from a, a, a group of guys that were were old head legends in my in my department, man. And they 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 taught me the ropes. They checked me when I was wrong, and I respected that. And but you know now I don't I don't know how things are when I when I retired, and I just retired in 2016, so it hadn't been that long ago. But I saw that type of mentality fading away from our department. And I tried to make sure that they understood that, look, us saying, calling each other out when we were wrong, that's what we need to do. You need to learn. Yeah, that's exactly how we learned. And sometimes the lessons were delivered in a rather abrupt manner. Uh, Before we get into your career, I I do got to talk about your show because I'll be honest with you, I'm a little bit of fan struck here. You go from being a street cop to a homicide detective, which is no easy task. Many years investigating homicides. You go to a television appearance on another show, and now you are a star of Reasonable Doubt on Investigation Discovery Channel on Tuesdays at 10 Eastern, 9 Central, and past seasons are available on Discovery Plus. That's a pretty major accomplishment, all those things put together. It is, man. You know, look, God has blessed me throughout my career. There were plenty of times where I was in uniform that I didn't think I was going to make it out of a certain situation. But, you know, God has uh, always led me through the right path, and I just follow his lead, man. It, it, it's been my, my career has truly, truly been a blessing. And I wake up every morning, and I thank him for it. Did you ever in your life imagine being a street cop when you were younger? Look, I couldn't imagine being 30 when I was 21, so don't even get me started on that. <laughs> but could you imagine doing what you're doing now when you were a young street cop just going from call to call to call? I, I, you know, I, didn't, I, I, I had no clue. I had no idea. I didn't even have the desire to do it. You know, I was one of, I, I, like I said, we, you and I were both raised in our departments by the same types of people. Sounds like, you know, these guys were the types of guys that will check you when you're wrong, but they also, they never wanted to be on television. So I was raised like that. I was, that's how I was growing. You never want to be on television. You never want to, if the news cameras got anything to say to you, you avoid them like the plague. But, uh, so yeah, when they, uh, when they first, when first 48 first, uh, 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 started filming our, our, our homicides, you know, I didn't really want to be involved in it, but I just, it was, a, I, I thought it was a pretty cool thing for people to see exactly how homicide investigations are, are done. And they filmed it in a way 
that they filmed all of the raw emotions. They filmed the late nights. They filmed us falling asleep on the, uh, you know, while after we've been out for 15, 20, sometimes 48 hours. You know, it, it, I just thought that it was a cool thing to do. And I never had any clue that it would lead to me being on reasonable doubt and doing it, uh, you know, being with Investigation Discovery, which has been, you know, the highlight of my career. And by the way, congratulations on your show and big congratulations on being uh, named police chief of Talladega College. Those things are not lost to me whatsoever. When I watch television, and I hate to say it, the excitement of my life nowadays, Chris, is I am the square. I don't curse. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I try to eat healthy. I go to bed early every night. I don't chase women. But I watch ID a lot. And I'm so impressed with what you all do and what that channel does. And and one of the things I say all the time with all the guests from Investigation Discovery Channel is, I can't stand dramas that are American made about policing because they get it so wrong. And ID gets it so right almost all the time. Right. Right, man. It's a huge honor. I think that they're so progressive in the things that they produce. I love the shows. I love the entertainment. But I, I do love what we do on Reasonable Doubt because, I mean, it, it, it's a it's a different spin on police work. And you and I both will be the first to say that, you know, the, the addition of a former homicide investigator and a defense attorney is a miracle within itself. That right but there is not lost on me. It's, it goes right up there with the television <laughs> cameras in our faces. We're talking with Chris Anderson. He is a retired Birmingham Police Detective Sergeant, also one of the stars of Investigation Discovery Channel's Reasonable Doubt, also Chief of Police at Talladega College. We return, we talk about investigating homicides and much more. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420 or online at fhehealth.com. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. Return to our conversation with Chris Anderson. Chris is a retired homicide detective sergeant from Birmingham, Alabama. He's recently named Chief of Police at Talladega College. He is one of the stars on Investigation Discovery Channel's show, Reasonable Doubt. It's on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central Time. Past episodes are available on demand at Discovery+. Plus. One of the things I have in my notes, Chris, about you, and I said it earlier, Chris is this guy, and it takes a long time to develop. I'm glad you clarified that, that you went from being a hothead to realizing you have to be calmer. You have to, even if you don't feel calm on the inside, be calm on the outside to get the best results, especially when you deal with homicide suspects, which we'll talk in a moment. 
but you came from a law enforcement background. Your mom was a cop, wasn't she? Yeah, she was, man. And she was the toughest cop that I've ever had the pleasure of working with, man. My mom did uh, 25 years with the Birmingham Police Department. She was one of the first black females back in the 70s that was ever hired with Birmingham. And most people know the history of Birmingham and the police department. You know, she was hired on uh, in the uh, early to, I'm sorry, mid-70s. You know, and she was one of the first to, to, to break that, that uh that you know what our that that, that what the, what our department was used to be right and I think a four well you yeah. know here's the truth yeah, yeah. and I say this all the time you were a Birmingham cop I was a cop in Baltimore and this is mm-hmm. a rather big country and when something bad happens in Los mm-hmm. Angeles they treat the cops in Baltimore like we have something to do with it same with Birmingham one of the things I say all the time same is thing. a lot of the past sins crimes committed by members of that department during the civil rights movement, we're still paying the price for. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. That's, that's absolutely right. I mean, you know, it, you know, and, and it's, it's still prevalent in Birmingham now because, because of our history. I mean, you know, look, it, it, it is what it is. It, I, it, it, we can't change our history, but we can make changes to make things better today, right where we are. Right. Yeah, and no matter what, we, we still... I say we have the ghosts of that, and uh, I see mm-hmm. images, photos of canine dogs. Look, I remember being a young cop, and one of the things we were taught, I was never in canine, but we never, ever, ever in Baltimore used canines as crowd control, and the reason why was Birmingham, mm-hmm. Alabama, and that was right. a big part of it, and granted, it was a long time ago, and we as a society have made huge leaps and bounds, especially in police work, but I- I'll be honest with you, brother, I don't know that we ever get credit for that um in my day when i started in 1980 we had whites blacks jews muslims lesbians gays it didn't matter no mm-hmm. one cared we just cared you do right. your job handle mm-hmm. your calls that's all we cared about right mm-hmm. right yeah absolutely you know look we're gonna always that's gonna be one of the things that we have to just accept uh in our profession i mean it, and it's gonna always be there but your, your goal today, if you're in law enforcement, and for those of us that are still in in, in the law enforcement, we, you know we still have to make changes right where we are. Right. We have to, to to make make sure that the people that we have effect on they don't when they see you in that patrol car, they don't see the, the what happened back in the fifties and sixties and seventies and, and and some of the eighties. They've got to see where you are here today, right now. The old thing I live by is you live a better sermon with your life than with your lips. So yeah, I, I, all I can do is is change your mind based on how I deal with you. And that was the basics of police. What we call community policing nowadays was everyday policing back then. We didn't know any different. And, and mm-hmm. as a patrol cop in uniform, I remember I worked in a very busy area. We had shootings almost every day, homicides quite often. And one of the questions I have for you is, do you remember your first call for a murder? Oh, man, my first murder call. Well, you know, look, I remember both of them. I remember my my first one as a homicide detective. I remember my first one as a street cop. You know, um, a a street cop, we had uh, an elderly woman that had been uh, murdered inside of her home. A couple of, uh, well, I didn't find out who did it until later on, but uh she had been in her home. The house was in this middle of the summer in Birmingham, 
And it didn't even happen on my beat as a patrol officer, but I was training. So, you know, they want us to get as much experience as possible. So my, my FTO, my, my training officer says, we'll take the call. We go down to the house. And then the first thing you do when you hit the door, you smell the oh, body. Yeah. And that, yeah, in the middle of the summer, you know, it's an elderly person's home. She had her heater on, and oh my gosh, man, it was just so bad. And you had to get out there. And that was the first time that I realized that I, I really wanted to do homicide cases. Uh, you know, did I get sick? Yeah, I got yeah. sick. Did I? Did I? Do I remember the smell? Yes, I remember the smell. But it, it was the. It, it was something about working that case and wanting to 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 find justice for this victim that did something even for even more so than just being a uh, just being the patrol officer i wanted to do more so that's where i found a love for working homicides and then I, I worked my way up to the unit now my first homicide case i remember that like it was yesterday there was a um uh, 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 a gentleman i won't say his name because that case is still open but there was a gentleman that had gotten into a fight at a party and uh the people that were at the party chased him out and someone shot him on, in the streets. And after he had ran for, he was probably about two miles away from the party. But uh, a, a group of guys went out looking for him, ended up murdering him and leaving him there in in a, in a lady's yard for overnight until she she found him the following morning. Uh, I knew exactly who committed the murder. I couldn't prove it because there were no witnesses and there was no evidence to link them to it. But I ne and I never could charge him. And to this day, that case has never has not been been closed by arrest. But I know exactly who did it, and that was one of the, the cases that helped me develop the type of uh, uh, mindset I would be I would have when I investigated cases. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, in particular, the second case. Well, both of them I can talk about, but the second case. One of the things is I'm I'm not bothered by the cases I did solve. I'm bothered by the ones I couldn't solve. Mm -hmm. Was that is that a good explanation mm -hmm. for you? It's a perfect explanation. I can't I can't remember. I can only remember the names of a few of the, the cases that I solved, which I solved almost ninety about 90% of the cases that I investigated. But if you ask me today, I can name off every name of every victim's case that I didn't solve because I remember, I carry those cases with me daily. I carry, I wonder if I did everything that I possibly could have done in order to close those cases. I always question whether or not I did every single thing that I, I could have done in those cases. And, and it's, it's, it's hard. It's hard for me today. And I'm, I'm chief of police of my own department now. But I still think about those cases that I didn't close. I hear you 100%. We are talking with Chris Anderson. Chris is a retired homicide detective sergeant from Birmingham, Alabama. He's also chief of police of Talladega College. He is one of the stars of the television show Reasonable Doubt on Investigation Discovery Channel. We return. We're going to talk more about investigating homicides and his unlikely transition from street cop to detective to tv star don't go anywhere we'll be right back hey folks when you have a chance check out our facebook page do a search on facebook for law enforcement today radio show when you get there click like and follow as click like and follow law enforcement today radio show on Facebook. Flintstone Media has been the digital messaging bedrock of several brands and businesses, serving as a highly resourceful podcast production house and consultancy firm for over six years. 
Work with a leader in the industry and add a new podcast to your brand's content offerings. From show development and setup through recording and distribution, Jemmy will lend her experience launching dozens of podcasts and producing over a thousand episodes, making creating your show a simple and easy turnkey process for you. Visit FlintstoneMedia.com for podcast samples. That's FlintstoneMedia.com. Return to conversation on the Law Enforcement Today show with Chris Anderson. Retired Birmingham homicide detective sergeant, star of Reasonable Doubt on Investigation Discovery Channel. Shows on Tuesdays, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central. Prior episodes available on demand at Discovery Plus. And he's also, as if I am not amazed enough, he's also chief police of Talladega College. Chris, you make me sound like an underachiever. I, I work all the time, 365. I could never do this when I was a cop. And I listened to you and I go, dude, what doesn't this guy do? Man, I, I retired so young, man. That you know, I knew when I when I left the, the, the department, I wasn't done. I knew that I had more to give. So, you know, I prayed to God that He would open up other opportunities for me because when I left Birmingham, I went to a I went to that I took a retirement job. I mean, it was a it was a retired on duty type job that I probably could have worked for another ten, fifteen, maybe even twenty years. And, you know, that was before Reasonable Doubt came into the picture, and there's a story behind it. But, I mean, look, man, I prayed, and God opened up the door, and every door that he opens, I'm just going to keep walking through him, man, whatever he makes it. When I know it's him, when I know it's him, I'm going to walk through it. We had those jobs, and we had terms we used to describe each other. We had police, and that's how you said it in Baltimore, police. We had good police, real police. We had humps. Those are guys who did nothing. We had trappers. Right. There was one who always got the freebies and the great deals on stuff. And sometimes they were right. intermixed. And we had goofs. Those are guys who are just, yeah, they're not quite right. Something wrong with that guy. Uh, but right. uh, one thing we didn't have is we didn't have corrupt cops. And we didn't have brutal cops. No one stood for that. Nobody ever. Right. And it, it, one of the things we talked earlier about ghosts of the past. One of the things, and maybe this was a big deal, but in the Serpico days, we didn't tolerate that stuff. And we were fetched up sharply by the old timers. And they said, hey, that's not how you do things. This is how you do things. They weren't that nice. And they said, by the way, I'm not going to get indicted because of you. I'm not going to lose my health benefits right. and insurance because of you. So you got to fly right. right. That was a squad concept. Right. And we all have bad days. We right. all have good days. I imagine your experience is the same. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, man. We... Look, and I hate to bring this guy's name up because I just hate that he even got as much attention as he got. I'm talking about guys like Derek Schaub. And, you know, look, this guy is is the reason, part of the reason why we are having so many problems right now in law enforcement. And you think about the things that he did to just tarnish and, and, and rip apart the, 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 the fabric of the relationship of the people that we serve. And it ticks me out so bad because, you know, we have a, 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 a father, a son, a brother that's been murdered. And that's a, a George Floyd. And this guy, his, the reason Derek Chauvin is a guy that, that had other people that were looking up to him. I can imagine him being that guy that everybody really looked kind of looked up to. And they were scared to say anything to him. But again, now, 
as a result, we have several other law enforcement officers who are spending time in prison because they didn't feel comfortable enough in telling this guy, hey, man, get your knees off of this man's back. We need to give this man a little bit of time to breathe. We need to let him go. But no, he didn't. And this not only has it hurt him, the other officers that are in prison, it's hurt every law enforcement officer in this country because we don't have people that, 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 that didn't stand up against him in a time where it could have saved a man's life. And I'll be totally honest with you, Chris, uh, the squad concept of pleasing, I to this day don't understand how those other officers stood by and did nothing. I, I just don't right. get it. No, nothing yeah. about this makes sense. And as a street cop, and I say that term, it's a compliment. You, there's no, there's mm-hmm. no higher compliment yeah. for me. As a street cop, yeah. I can't see that. How does that happen? I, and and I, I don't understand it either, but I think we've gotten away from uh, that the, the type of, of raising that you and I had, you know, where you, you weren't afraid to, to call a, a guy's out or tell a guy, well, you know, hey, you're wrong on this. You know, we've gotten away from from that from that type of mentality now with this young with some of these younger police officers because you can't tell that there are a, a, a lot of them that don't want to listen to their elders. They they believe that you know you guys did it your way. Now I'm going to do it my way, and and that's the wrong mindset you need to have in yeah. in this line of in this profession. Well, and you said a great term earlier. We had old heads too, and they were respected, they were mm-hmm. revered, and when they talked, you listened, and that's the way things were. Right. And I'll go back to this, and then I want to talk about your experience. But everybody had bad days, and you could lose it. And oh, yeah. we would grab a guy, and say, mm-hmm. "Get in the car, we got it from here." And then afterwards, we talked yeah. to him. And sometimes, I hate to say it, but sometimes disputes got settled on the parking lot of the district station house. And that's just the way yeah. things were. They closed the garage door and two went in. Some guy came yeah. out and they learned their lesson. Yeah. That's the way it went. That's right. Because we had a certain yeah. philosophy was treat everybody with respect until they change the tone of the conversation. Then there's no backing down. Yeah. You know, when, when you talked about your first homicide, and the decomposing body call. We had a thing, and you said you, you were in field training. When I promoted sergeant, mm-hmm. and when we had these bad decomposing bodies, we'd call every rookie that just came out of the mm-hmm. academy to come up here because they had to learn how to work those calls and work those scenes. We're talking about large, mm-hmm. bloated bodies that if you touch them the wrong way, they'd blow up. We're talking about flies. We're talking about yeah. odors that you and I still remember that you can't get rid mm-hmm. of. Uh, and yeah. it was so important that you said your FTO took you there and we took the call even though we didn't have to mm-hmm. so I could learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, that was that was a part of our training, you know, and, and our guys, you know, the, the guys that were training with that were still on the training car with me. You know, they brought all those guys in and, and they, they wouldn't let them into where the body was because she was in just a small, closed-in area. But, yeah, they brought them in and let them, you know, get a whiff of, 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 of the decomposing body. So so you can you can make yourself so, – because it, it's important for you to be around something like that. It's important for you to get that type of training and that type of knowledge. You know, for, so the next time when it's your time, when it's your turn to work these cases, you'll already be aware of what's in store for you. One of the hardest things that I, to this day I still remember, and it's more of an emotion than a memory, is the degradation for some people when they had their last moments, when they were killed. The way they were treated, the way they were discarded, the way they, they left this world 
bothers me to this day. Does that still linger in your mindset? Absolutely, man. I, uh, I wrote a, I, I recently finished up one, uh, one of a few books about some of my homicide cases, man. And, and this one was one of the ones that one of the cases that probably touched me the most made me realize a lot about myself as a, as a cop, as a detective, as a husband and as a father, man, you know, that, that, uh, that was a, I had a victim who was murdered and she was, she was the type of, uh, of person that every parent wants to raise. She's that, she was that type of child and she was, and I hate to use this in the, but this term, but I think this is probably the, 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 the re, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And uh, two guys tried to rob her and they ended up, I'm sorry, three guys tried to rob her and they ended up murdering her. And the only reason she was in that particular place was because she pulled over to use a cell phone. This is right around the time cell phones became, everybody started carrying cell phones and they would tell you, if you got to use your cell phone, you need to pull over. So she did exactly that. She pulled over, two guys tried to rob her. They ended up murdering her. Here's the reason, here's part of the reason why this case was so, it, it, it affected me so much. This young lady had the same name as my own daughter. And throughout my entire time of investigating that case, every time I would go to sleep or every time I would close my eyes, I would see this crime scene and see my daughter within that same oh, crime man. scene. That's a tough one. When we're yeah. we're going to take a short that break. Is. We're talking with Chris Anderson, uh, retired Detective Sergeant, Homicide Detective Sergeant, Birmingham, Alabama, one of the stars of Reasonable Doubt on Investigations Discovery Channel. We have so much more to talk about. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore because now you can listen to it on Podopolo, the free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there, too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. Return conversation with Chris Anderson on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Chris, long resume. He is a retired detective sergeant from Birmingham, Alabama Police Department. He's chief of police of Talladega College. He's one of the stars of the Reasonable Doubt television series on Investigation Discovery Channel. Shows on Tuesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central. Prior episodes available on demand at Discovery Plus. And you just said you wrote some books. Is there anything else you don't do? You know, look, I said I had more to give, man. As long as God keep opening those doors, man, I'm going to walk through them. My goodness, I would hate to be in a domestic disagreement and have someone say to me, like my wife say, you know, you never do anything around the house. Oh, can't say that to Chris Anderson. <laughs> you 
hey, hey, I don't know what to say because Milo squeeze it in there every once in a while. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you got no defense even from that one. I want to no, go. I, I want to go back to something. Something you said earlier that really stuck with me. And I tell some people this, it took a long time for me. I've been retired a long time from police work. I got hurt and retired young at the age of 33. So I was forced in that grown-up job. And I loved being a cop, but it took a long time to start forgetting names. And there's only a few I remember anymore. You said that you forgot most of these cases, most of these names. There's still a few that bother you. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's fair. Very much so. And those you still question yourself, can I have done something different? Can I have done something better? And that's second guessing is how we get better at our job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, 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 you, you can't, I'm a strong believer that you, you have to be, uh, you, you have to fail at something to realize you did it when you did it wrong and, and, and to make you even better. So I absolutely agree with that. You know, the cases that I, I the most of the victims that I don't remember the, the names are the cases that I closed. But I can I can tell you that the, the cases that I didn't close I can tell you the names of those victims and, and they they stick with me even today and I've been now retired going to almost uh, almost ten years now Wow and it's still there it's still there still yeah. there and I rarely ever talk about these things with people who were police and I'll be honest with Chris I don't even talk about a lot with people who are police because of what I call the stupid questions mm-hmm. and. Investigating homicides, I arrested many people for homicide. I was never a homicide detective. I was always in narcotics or working patrol. And mm-hmm. as a patrol officer and sergeant, you're the first ones on the scene. And mm-hmm. I, a very quick story. It's like a garden-style apartment, and we had a homicide. One of my guys called me as a sergeant and said, hey, come over here, I got a homicide. This woman was thrown down like a bag of trash, stabbed multiple times. Mm-hmm. And they said, about, I said, do the area canvas, you know, old, shoot, old school police work, do the area canvas, knock on doors. He said, by the way, I have a criminal summons for this guy in his apartment. So I knocked the door to mm-hmm. serve the summons, and the guy, when he opened the door, he didn't seem right. Something looked wrong. Mm-hmm. I looked at him closely. He had a spot of blood on his cheek. Long story short, he mm-hmm. had blood all over his shoes, and he was the killer, and the crime scene was his apartment. And I can't tell you what it was that brought my attention to this guy. It's just like, we're going to serve his criminal summons, but a little speck of blood, too high from where he'd be shaving, and go, something's wrong with this guy. Right, right, right. It's usually that, that, that intuition is good, man. Like, I know everybody talks about a woman's intuition, but a cop's intuition is in some cases can be just as good, you know, uh, and, it, and it takes something. It, it takes that, that little something uh, about cases and that, that'll help you help a lot of cops. It helped me a lot in closing a lot of my cases, man. You know, would I use that as evidence, you know, in a crime? No. Is it something that I would just go, I got a feeling that this person is responsible for this murder. Would I go out there and ruin it screw up a case because of it no but i, I mean I, I sure would follow it and not allow my my feelings to just go unnoticed about certain things it's like an investigative tool it's like the polygraph it's not admissible in court mm-hmm. but you got to follow it otherwise what are you right. what are you going on you got your experience mm-hmm. you've been doing this job a long time did intuition or street sense or cop sense lead you to killers many times oh yeah 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 absolutely man i had a uh I actually, this, this this is another portion of the book that I wrote. You know, uh, I had a case where 
uh, I had been working this this this, this guy that had been had been doing these home invasions for for months. Man, he had been not not for months. He had been doing them for weeks in an area that you just don't get a lot of uh, of uh, you know any types of crime. It was an elderly. Uh, most of our, our the people that lived in this neighborhood were senior people. Uh, you know, and you didn't have a lot of people that were hanging out or walking around. But all of a sudden, we get like bang, 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 like seven or eight home invasions over like a, a, a two week span and they're all within a one or two mile radius. So you know that that, autom- that should automatically tell you that the, 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 the suspect is more than likely someone that's new to the area and he's somewhere walking around. Well, uh, you know, I, I get the, uh, I get out and we, we're canvassing the neighbor, neighborhood, me and my partner. And uh, we ended up, and I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing this whole thing, but me and my partner uh, ended up getting, catching a homicide the day before. This time, this guy has broken into a house and he's killed a, a, a woman. And we're out canvassing in the neighborhood, and this lady tells us about this guy that's, you know, that, that had been peeking around her house. She saw him. He was walking around her house, and he had stolen some stuff from him. And the night before, officers had recovered some, some, some of her stolen property at an abandoned house, check out the abandoned house, go through and, and, and started looking for any information inside the house, find some parole paperwork for a guy that was there. Lo and behold, this is the guy that ended up was the murder victim, the murder suspect of my victim that happened the day before. And he was responsible for all seven or eight of the home invasions that we had uh, weeks prior. So, yeah, that's that. That's that intuition of following up on leads that that helped me. That's one of the cases that, you know, I, I truly say that it was. You can call it intuition, or it's just God. I, I I prefer to say that it was God because God is the yeah. one that has always led me to to finding my suspects. I think that's absolutely great, and it's something you have to learn. You, you got to learn to listen. Listen. You got to learn to observe, and quite often we're taught mm-hmm. these things. I. And you, you talk about your intuition. Did you see yourself being a television star anytime in the future? No, man. I, you know, like I said, I was I was raised to stay. They came from my mom too, man. My mom hated being on television. She always told me, you know, avoid the cameras. Don't don't be in the cameras light. You know, if you see them and they ask you questions, go back to the car and sit down. You know, but when we uh when the when that other show first forty eight came around and started the, you know the the documentary of of us you know doing the homicide cases I just you know what I'm gonna try something a little different because there were a lot of we had a lot of great homicide investigators who were those old heads those guys that didn't want to be around cameras and they thought that the camera crew would hurt their investigation well me and about three other guys that were a part of our unit we were, we were like look. Y'all come on. And and I was a rookie then too, so I was catching all the worst cases that we had. They they followed me for two years of the worst two years of cases that I had been picking up. And yeah, man, and that's that's how it all happened. I you know, I, I never expected to become a fan favorite or anybody famous. I just wanted people to see what it takes to work homicide cases. And then how and, did uh, the investigation yeah. discovery channel show come about? Man, so it was, uh, it was, uh, I-, I told you I was about to retire and uh, I was going into just a-, a-, a job where, you know, I could work for another 10 or 15 years and yeah, I would be retired on duty. It was, a- it was an investigator for the railroad. 
And I'm thinking, okay, this is the job I'm going to take, you know, but, and I'll just do this and I have two retirements. That was my goal. So, and, you know, a few days after, before I retired, I'm like, I, I was praying to God. I was like, well, God, I, I just feel like I have more to give than just being an investigator for the railroad. If, if you have any other opportunities for me, please just open the door. Just, just show me what it is. About three days later, I get a phone call from one of the guys that's looking, uh, a guy that works for uh, the production company that, that, that makes the show. He says that he's been calling, looking for me for about two weeks, and he hadn't been able to find me because I, I worked as a fugitive investigator, and you know how fugitive is. We rarely come in the office. So at any rate, uh, I'm in the office training my replacement, and the guy calls me and says, look, I want to put you on a call with the uh, producer of the show. And he he wants to to get you uh, to to talk to you for a little for about a show that he's producing. So get on the phone call. The conversation is great, and they asked me if I'm interested in working cold cases that could be wrongful convictions. And he explained just a little bit about what the show was about. And I said, look, man, if if even and and after hearing his explanation of what he wanted to do. I told him, look, even if I'm not chosen for the show, you know, I'll be a fan of the show, man, because Absolutely. I want to see if you're able to do it. And the show's called Reasonable so, Doubt. It's on Investigation Discovery Channel, Tuesdays, 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central Time. Prior episodes available on demand at Discovery Plus. We've got to wrap things up. I'd to have you back again in the future. Chris Anderson, thanks so much for your service, and thanks for being a guest on the show. Very much appreciated. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. It was great. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.